You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host. And with all of the Pelicans news across not only New Orleans, the state, but on a national scale, we are having a national guest come in and join us today as Dan Favalli is going to be joining us. So let's get into that interview with Dan. We'd like to welcome our guest today as Dan Favalli is joining us. Uh, he is a deputy editor over at NBA Math and also a national NBA writer for Bleacher Report NBA and the co-host of Hardwood Knox. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing good over here, especially with all the news with New Orleans, with the addition of Griffin. Uh, in terms of a national perspective, the hiring of Griffin, what does that do for the perception of the Pelicans organization? Um, it does a great deal just because he was one of the most sought after executives over the past couple of off seasons, and it was known that he was waiting to pick his next destination, uh, looking from the right combination of a franchise with promise, but also one that was prepared to give him power and autonomy. And it seems like the Pelicans have done that. And every move that has followed um, from hiring Trajan Langdon, uh, they won the lottery. He can't really be held responsible for that. But his willingness to say that he wants to try and get Anthony Davis to stay, whether or not that's a negotiating ploy, that's just something that looks great from a distance and you just combine it with some of the other stuff that they've done. He lures Aaron Nelson away from the Phoenix Suns. Um, the project for New Orleans' training center is already underway. And it just looks like uh, from afar, again, that Gale Benson is really, as the owner, just in control of everything and that the Pelicans are, are finally distancing themselves from that relationship where they were so deeply embedded with the New Orleans Saints organization. You talk about that. It seems like the Pelicans last year were maybe low 20s in terms of organization uh, outlooks in, in terms of the way that they've, are, you know, they were run. Looking at the Pelicans as of today with the $4.8 million uh, that has already been put towards the uh, training facility, adding of Langdon and Griffin, where would you put the Pelicans in terms of front offices in the NBA today? They're probably up there. They look like just with everything that's happened that they could be able to crack the top 10 next season. Uh, the issue probably is, though, we need to see what happens with Anthony Davis first. It's not just about whether they can maybe convince him to stay. I don't think anyone expects them to succeed in that. But what do you end up getting for him? There's this line of thought that maybe his trade value is actually lower than expected now um, because – that Zion Williamson offer isn't going to be out there to leverage against other teams' packages since the Pelicans have him. There's a chance that the Celtics could just bow out entirely, or at least not include Jason Tatum, if Kyrie Irving looks like he's going to leave in free agency. So if and when the Pelicans do trade Anthony Davis, uh, when they decide to even trade him too matters, if it's before the draft, after the draft, will they wait until the regular season? All that stuff is going to matter, and the outcome to this soap opera that's you know, it started at the middle of last season, but his future's really been up in the air for more than that. Uh, just once we reach that conclusion, it's going to say a great deal about how well positioned this front office has left itself to tackle the future in New Orleans. But what we can take away from Griffin is that he's not pursuing something with Anthony Davis. He's kind of going to let it come. So, I mean, if I were to put you in Anthony Davis's shoes, 
looking at the landscape of the NBA at potential destinations you could end up going to, would the Pelicans maybe be the best option for him long term? There's a chance. I mean, if his two top preferences are still the Knicks and the Lakers, it's a pretty significant chance that the Pelicans have a better outlook than both of them. Uh, the Lakers, you're tethered to LeBron James's window, assuming it even opens in the West, and he only has two years left on his deal with a player option before the third. He's entering his age 35 season, coming off the most serious injury of his career. New York, you can't, that front office has not earned the benefit of the doubt in any way. And if he does get traded to the Knicks, is it after they sign Kevin Durant, after they sign Kyrie Irving, after they sign both? What are they going to have in place around those players? If we're talking about a Celtics team that still has Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, you could certainly make the case that uh, Boston's outlook would be way better. Maybe if Toronto gets involved, should Kawhi Leonard decide to come back in free agency. But when people talk about his desire to play for uh, the Knicks or the Lakers, that decision or that preference, assuming it still exists, um, it becomes clear that it's not entirely rooted in basketball fit just because the pelicans with zion williamson with this front office and with the cap space they're going to be able to clear uh this summer or even next summer they're in a position to to do some things and have maybe not a more immediate window than say the lakers or, or even the knicks if they go superstar hunting in free agency but their window could end up being uh, a more of a protracted one if if all the pieces do fall right well, with the likelihood of drafting Zion, it's kind of turned into the summer of Zion over here in New Orleans as the excitement around this franchise is even greater than it was when the Pelicans had the number one pick and were assured Anthony Davis a couple of years ago or, or a few years back. With Zion coming to New Orleans, uh, what will the Pelicans be getting in a player like Zion? They're just going to be get someone who is – has otherworldly athleticism and is just a monster when it comes to getting out in transition. Um, he showed ability to create in the half court and really get through opponents. There are questions about his jumper, about how well he's going to be engaged off the ball defensively. I'm very interested to see how he ends up faring against NBA power forwards because I think he's listed at like six six in shoes. Um, that that's not that's not great size. He's certainly strong enough, but to go up against some of these. Um, taller players who who can attack off the dribble. I'm interested to see how he holds up. But we're talking about a prospect who, even if you think he's not the most talented since uh, Anthony Davis entered the NBA, he certainly has more magnetic appeal than anyone since LeBron James entered the, the NBA. Anthony Davis didn't even come with this sort of fanfare. So he gives the Pelicans a starting point and a potential rebuild, or he gives the Pelicans a player a co-star that they might be able to sell Anthony Davis on long-term. And either way, he gives them another or a new face to the franchise that really should end up elevating their national profile. With a guy like Drew Holiday making second-team all-NBA defensive team, uh, we see something from Drew this year once Anthony Davis requests a trade. We see a leadership side, something that we haven't seen from Drew before, uh, a guy that the Pelicans fans really love. In terms of a national perspective, uh, how good is Drew Holiday? He's up there. I think he's still one of the more underrated players in the NBA, a fringe all-star in the Western Conference, which is impressive when you look at how deep that guard pool is there. Uh, that he's, I know he prefers this, but that he was able to go from basically being the, the lead point guard to now playing off guard a bunch over the past two seasons uh, speaks to his versatility. His jumper has kind of come in and out, but I think you can still uh, trust him to hit a lot of set shots. And again, just the sheer 
workload that he carries on the defensive end where it's not just a matter of him defending um, the opposing point guards or even the shooting guards, but they've matched him up with small forwards. There were times when he's guarded Kevin Durant when they've played the Warriors. So he is just this gritty, bulldoggy defender. And I know a lot of people think that he fell off a little bit this season, particularly when he was in the half court. But when you look at the volume that he had to carry at both ends of the floor, I think you can argue uh, this season defensively was at least just as impressive for him as last season because it came with that expanded role while they were going through the the whole Davis soap opera. Got a two-part question for you. First off, will the Pelicans make a trade before the NBA trade deadline? And if you're the Pelicans, What's the best deal do you see out there that they could get back for Anthony Davis? Yeah, I mean, my guess is that he would certainly be gone before the trade deadline and and that they would make a deal. I'm just wondering more so if they do, is it going to happen before the draft or or after the draft, after free agency? Uh, That's still tough to say. I would bank on it happening after the draft. Um, But looking at the prospective packages, I still think that the Celtics can trump uh, everybody else's offers if they're willing to include Jason Tatum, even if they don't end up also bringing in uh, Jalen Brown. You have Marcus Smart, who's just a really solid uh, role player who helps you win basketball games. Shot three ball better this year, uh, an, an all NBA defender. And then you look at the picks that they still have in the armory. This year, Sacramento Kings pick at number 14. Um, they have Memphis, which is top six, top six protected next year and could roll over to unprotected in 2021. So if they're willing to include Tatum, I think it beats any package built around Brandon Groom and the ball. It certainly beats whatever the Knicks are offering. If it's basically number three, Kevin Knox and, and, and Phil, you can include all their pieces. And I don't think that they'll, they'll come close to matching with Boston gives it really to me only gets interesting that the Celtics pull out of the running because Kyrie leaves or they just refuse to give up Tatum and that's when every other team comes on equal footing you could probably talk yourself into the Lakers having the best package in that scenario maybe even Knicks if they include enough of their future first rounders and Dallas's picks but just right now assuming that the Celtics are going to be willing to include Tatum today I would say by a comfortable margin and have the best offer for Anthony Davis. Dan, you kind of corrected my question because that, that's where I was trying to go. It was not the trade deadline, but the NBA draft. Do so you see Andy Davis being a post-draft trade? Yeah, I mean, it could happen on draft night, but just the magnitude of such a deal, I can't see it coming together on that. I, don't, I think the Pelicans might want to see the lay of the land of where some, some of these prospects end up falling. They might want to get a feel for other teams that come out of the, the woodwork, depending on what happens in free agency. Uh, a team like the Clippers is certainly a squad that comes to mind. Uh, even the Raptors, if they just throw a ton of picks with Siakam and OG and Obi at the Pelicans, should Kawhi Leonard to come back. And even the Celtics on some level, uh, there's a lot, lot of chicken and egg discussion going on here. Do you trade for Anthony Davis to ensure that that Kyrie stays, or do you wait to see if Irving is going to stay and then trade for Anthony Davis? And if they follow the latter route, if you are the Pelicans and you know Davis isn't going to come back, you're, you're smart to just wait them out because no one else's packages are going to get any worse. And you, you want to see if Tatum is ever going to be included in, in a prospective package. We see a lot from Alvin Gentry in terms of personality over the year last year. And Pelicans fans have really started to fall in love with him after so many were part of the fire Gentry mob. Uh, but at the end of the season last year, Gentry said this team will be back in the playoffs next year. Do you see a road where the Pelicans can be back in the Western Conference playoffs next year? I do. It's if it's if they convince Anthony Davis to stay and Zion Williamson <laughs> has a good rookie year, there's there's certainly a potential playoff team there. It gets a lot more difficult though to actualize that guarantee if if they move AD. Uh, even if you get 
the best package available unless you're getting both Tatum and Brown plus Smart and you have Zion and Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, maybe you sign a free agent because you you will have cap space if you let Julius Randle go should he decline his player option. There's a path to becoming a fringe playoff team there, but it gets really difficult if you end up exchanging out a superstar. The West is not going to get any more forgiving, and there are a couple other lottery teams that will really be looking for bites at the postseason apple next year. The Lakers are one of them. There's also the Sacramento Kings if they continue to develop. So it, it's going to be tough sledding to make the playoffs in, in general, but I wouldn't completely rule it out even if they trade Davis. I would just peg it as uh, unlikely. We're joined by Dan Favale. Y'all give him a, a follow on Twitter at Dan Favale. Uh, Dan, with the playoffs starting to round, uh, starting to end, and we're getting towards the NBA Finals and the NBA Draft coming up. What are y'all going to have in terms of content over the next couple of weeks? Um, we're really at Hardwood Knox, our podcast. We're we're rolling out our team by team offseason outlook, so uh, lo- localized fans can really just get their fill for their own teams. We're going about forty five minutes to an hour deep on their their offseason to do list and and their long term trajectories so our hands are, are full with that and um you know as we lead into the nba finals everywhere i write and work you get into draft and free agency mode you always have to be a stage ahead of what's happening in the nba so we're going to get knee deep into all this free agency stuff which should certainly be interesting and abundant when you look at how many superstars are hitting the open market this year dan thank you so much for giving us some of your time today no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Once again, want to thank Dan for giving us some of his time. Y'all make sure y'all follow him on Twitter at Dan Favale. Uh, it's spelled F-A-V-A-L-E. Uh, Dan is you know, the deputy editor over at NBA Math. He also is a co-host for Hardwood Knox. So gave that national perspective of what's going on in New Orleans. Look, I thought that question I asked him about where the front office ranked before uh, David Griffin to where it is now is, is crazy. Uh, a really good article came out today um, uh, on The Advocate talking about how, you know, the perception from the beginning, uh, you know, from the first day David Griffin met for the job to where it is now is it, just changed across, you know, the, the NBA, uh, uh, the NBA market or the NBA as a whole throughout the country. It's that the Pelicans are not one of the worst-ran franchises anymore. Gail Benson is a force to be reckoned with. And what's going on in New Orleans is going to lead to success. Uh, it may not be immediate. It may not be in two years. You know, This may be a three- to five-year thing. But with a guy like Zion coming in, with a guy like David Griffin leading what is going on, and with an owner like Gail Benson buying into what David Griffin is selling – you know, she just committed four point eight million dollars to uh, facility uh, improvements. I, I, I mean, that is a full buy-in considering they built a new facility not that long ago. There's been this narrative that the Saints and the Pelicans are the same thing. They're not. Uh, this David Griffin hiring and what they've been doing shows that this is a completely different franchise and that this is a franchise that is trending upward. Uh, you, you heard what Dan said. They went from a 20s to a top 10 franchise just based on front office. That kind of stuff leads to uh, leads to excitement. But for Dan Valley, my name is Charles Reese. Y'all have a great weekend as always. God bless. Some